0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast you have been looking for, The Salty Pastor. My name is Jesse Mayer, I am your host, and we are here in beautiful Boise, Idaho at Foothills Christian Church. And this podcast is all about finding biblical truth in a society that does not value biblical truths. They create their own truths, and we look to the scriptures to Mm -hmm. find what God wants us to hear. And we do that through... The saltiest, <laughs> most
1: intelligent, most n- letters after his oh name, my pastor that I know, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. Oh, I want to say thank you to everyone who listens and who has shared this podcast. I, I just want to say Merry Christmas and blessings on you. Uh, what I appreciate about all of you so much is it seems that you're thirsting for the things of God in a, in a world that has unmoored itself from objective truth and rational truth that it has just become so upside down and and i believe you who listen are asking the question number one how in the world did we get here and number two what in the world can we do about it so I think that one of the other things that people love about the Salty Pastor and what I appreciate all of you who listen is that there was a standard paradigm of Christian teaching and you felt that that was insufficient. You're curious, you're intelligent people, and you're not only searching for the intellectual and rational basis for our faith, but you want to know the ideas, the principles, and even the ideologies that are underneath the surface out there in our world, and yet they're driving everything that's happening today. And how does the biblical uh, truth, that worldview of how Jesus Christ defines reality, counter- those ideologies. And I believe that from an apologetic standpoint, that's where the real battle is right now. Uh, the Bible says uh, it's wisdom to be able to read the signs of the times. And that's what I think the salty pastor is trying to do is trying to read the signs, the winds or the 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 vibe of the the air of the culture out there. And that's where biblical truth, where God's truth is so powerful. So I'm really excited about this podcast.
0: Well, and we're in the middle of a great series right now. We Mm -hmm. just started last week uh, titled Jesus is King. It's Christmas, and we're celebrating the birth of Christ. We thought it would be good to see why his birth has had such an impact on the world today. So on Sunday, you laid out a number of passages of Scripture Mm -hmm. from the New Testament that we're digging into. What passages are we digging into today?
1: Well, uh, we talked about uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And we talked about Philippians chapter two, five through twelve. We talked about Colossians chapter one, first John chapter four There's a bunch of others as well that you can get into first Corinthians fifteen and so forth but today I like, it's like us there's to, a whole
0: book of them yeah, there's like a into. whole book of it like <laughs> it's like the Bible
1: uh but uh <laughs> that was good. I like that, but uh, today, I think what we ought to do is uh is realize number one is all these are what are called christology passages and the reason they're called a christology uh it comes from the latin ology means study of christ is not actually jesus's last name it's a definitive moniker meaning he is the messiah so it's a study of the nature of the savior of the world which is jesus And so these uh, today I'd like us to dig into Colossians chapter one, because I think it's really important to see how his kingdom has grown and influenced the world since he was born.
0: So, what do you think about Colossians 1? How does it add to what we already know about Jesus as king that we started this week? Okay, well,
1: it's really focusing on his nature. Let me read it to you, and then we'll kind of go through a little bit and break it down, okay? Okay. Verse 15 says, The Son, which is a direct reference to Jesus, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So, he's saying, He is the image. In other words, this is how we. and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. There's a great reference right there of why he is king, king of kings and lord of lords, because he has supremacy over everything. Verse 19, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, which is an interesting reference to the Trinity, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So we see the power of that last uh, reference to his sacrifice on the cross.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think those are some really powerful words written by the Apostle Paul. But I think let's break it down into some manageable parts, Mm -hmm. um, because I have a suspicion that there's some really important ideas or (laughs) principles in here that you would like to point out to us. Oh,
1: yes. So true. So true, Jesse. You know me so well. (laughs) Well, the first one has to do with the fact that Jesus is king because he was God first. And that is the image of the invisible God, you know, uh, The scripture says that no one has seen God at any time. So Jesus is talking about that. But when you see me, you see the Father. So this reinforces a common theme throughout the entire New Testament. And it's that Jesus is the complete image of God. So we see this reference to the Trinity once again. And this is an important premise that influences so much because today there's a movement out there. It's very popular on social media and it holds as its premise. Since Jesus didn't reference something directly, then it must not be true. And so what people are doing is they're trying to uh, narrow the influence in the supremacy of Jesus, the influence and supremacy of God in all things so uh people have been trying to build on this principle in a lot of different ways for instance today you hear often through a number of critics of christianity well jesus never claimed to be god you know he never said i am god and of course this in of itself is pretty uh preposterous uh because jesus did claim to be god And he claimed it in numerous different ways that he was God. But there are people today that will then say, well, show me where Jesus says, I am God. And what that is, is that's a fallacy of hermeneutics or a fallacy of interpreting language because jesus didn't speak in english so he never said i am god in english <laughs> never happened
0: we've been so spoiled in america with our english translation i mean you just... We just assumed that exactly they...
1: <laughs> you are such a pampered baby thinker that you feel the whole reality of all the world and and all seven thousand years of recorded history is in english no, it's not. It, you know, he spoke in a different language. And in that language, it's unequivocal. And it's called the phenomenological aspect of language. And that means is uh language is simply an abstract verbal symbol that represents a meaning. That's called the phenomenological aspect of language. You tracking with me?
0: I'm, I'm I'm here so far. You're saying a lot of big words, but I get the I get the general picture.
1: Yeah. So when you say when I say the word dog, something pops into your head, right? right. And, but all I did is I gave you a ven- a phonetic sound, but that phonetic sound, which is associated, has been associated for so long with this reality. So when I say the word, that reality comes in a picture in your brain, right? That's called communication. Right. So Jesus used language in his language that nobody doubted that he was claiming God. That's why the Pharisees convicted him of blasphemy. <laughs> yeah, they didn't
0: just throw him up there for parking right. tickets. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, he
1: didn't have Jesus, you got too many parking your chariot in the wrong spot tickets.
0: Um, so is this similar to like... Uh, like the Inuits have like 17 different words for snow and yep. we only have one in English. And so when it's translated to us, it just says snow, but it has multi-layered right. facets if it's in the original text that we yeah, don't like really Yeah, uh, like in an a Inuit
1: might have a word for snow that's been rained on and then frozen, right? Right. And so you'd look at that and we would say, oh, that's ice. Or we might say, oh, that's snow. And then someone would come along and say, Well, it can't be ice because you never called it ice. Right. And an Inuit would look at you and go, you are dumber than a box of rocks. You know, yeah. we're not going to try to help you survive out here because you're, you're gonna so freeze. stupid.
0: <laughs> we're going to let the survival of the. So run. I'm sorry
1: I'm being salty, but that's that is the intellectual depth of these kinds of discussions. Right. But they're very very popular on TikTok, and they're very popular on Instagram. They're very popular on Facebook because they come out in this way. Like, uh, hey, by the way, Jesus never mentioned abortion. Okay, And your point is, is so Jesus is okay with abortion. And and you just want to say, are you really? uh, This is uh, this is where I get salty. I apologize. Give me grace. You're on the salty pastor. This is where I want to say, have you really been born that stupid? You know, because the word abortion didn't show up until the last century. It's, It's a very new word. But when you look at its root, it comes from Latin. Abort means to end. And what is it ending? It is ending the biological growth pattern of a living entity. That is how we define killing something. And Jesus had a lot to say about killing and ending human Life.
0: Well, and Twitter didn't exist until the last. (laughs) And he hasn't said any statements about Twitter either. Yeah. So so does
1: that mean Twitter's fine?
0: Obviously, (laughs) everything on Twitter that happens on Twitter, Jesus condoned Yeah, 100 percent. That's what that fallacy leads to. Yeah.
1: And we hear it in this other way and an identity. You know, they say, well, Jesus never preached on homosexuality. You know, uh, Jesus never talked about this. Jesus never talked about that. These, of course, these these things, these postulates are are false and they're false because uh, they're simply not true in some cases. But also they're false because they are they're they're logically uh, fallacies. You know, they're just simply uh, well, you know, Jesus never said it was wrong to buy and sell another human being. So, are you saying Jesus is fine with slavery? Well, of course not. Jesus never said anything about sexually molesting children. <laughs> so, does that mean he's okay? You see, these these things are just absurd. So, they're silly word games. Children play them. They play them on social media. And it has to do with the fact Jesus is king because he was God first. And so, we have to... Endeavor to understand the totality of his truth that comes to us. And there's no way you can go off on these little childish games and jump around in a puddle and think you've pulled one over on the supremacy of God in these issues.
0: Okay. Well, we got a little salty on that, but I think that's people want that. We need that. It's and that's been a just while since you've gotten really <laughs> salty, actually. So we were overdue. But that was only principle number one. That's just so <laughs> let's see how the rest of this goes. Let's move on to the second yeah. principle that you feel is critical in this Well, passage. in
1: verse 16, we're just going to go through these verse by verse by verse. He says, For in him, meaning in Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. So what you see here is a direct reference to, To the fact that in heaven, anything that exists outside of the dimension of space and time was created by God, who was Jesus. And it says, and then Jesus created space and time. He created this reality in which the universe and all of its ensuing galaxies and solar systems, stars and planets were created. He says, whether it's visible or invisible. And then this is really interesting. He says, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. So this is a direct reference to how human beings govern themselves. So he's, he's talking about all political theories and systems are under the authority of Christ. He has supremacy over all of those things. So I think the forms of government are subject to the authority of Jesus Christ, not only because he's king, but what we need to understand is that there is no way to determine if a government, and this is kind of the outflow of this principle, because uh, cause if governments and thrones and rulers and authorities are not submitted to the authority of Jesus, in other words, if there's not an objective reality that defines justice outside of them, then how do you ever know if those laws or things that they do are just or unjust? You see, you don't. And and this is why communism came into existence. Socialism comes into existence. You know, communism as a theory is a theory of state slavery. You do not own yourself. The state owns you. That my friends is slavery. Communism is, is slavery there's no other way to put it and what happens is if there is no objective authority that defines what justice is then the state can make up whatever thing it wants and call it justice and And that's Mm. what you see today you have people doing people who are who will lie who are cheating who are uh enslaving people abusing people I mean every kind of injustice out there and saying well what we're doing is just I mean that that's what happens when you unhook political theory from an outside objective truth ie or example Jesus Christ so uh, this is exactly what Martin Luther King wrote in his letter from the Birmingham jail is he said how do we know that these Laws here in the South, these segregation laws, are unjust. Are you talking about Luther, Martin, Martin Luther, Luther King, King Jr.? Jr. Yeah. Okay. not There
0: was also the yeah. the he's Catholic, right? Yeah. Or no, no, no Protestant. He started the Protestant in, Revolution. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I just want to make sure we're on the same age. Because all of like him does not sound yeah. like a European.
1: Martin Luther King, in the 16th century, 1500s, he wrote the 95 Theses against the Catholic Church, and he nailed it to the Wittenberg door in Wittenberg, Germany. And that's what started the Protestant man, he's Revolution. Salty. He, oh, Martin Luther King <laughs> was, was super salty. salty. Boy, I, I can tell you all kinds of salty stuff he said. He, I, I, I am, man, I am mild compared to this guy. But he was the original Protestant Reformationist, and he started the whole thing—a big revolution out there. And then Martin Luther King Jr. was actually named after Martin Luther King, the Reformationist okay. from the 16th century, and what he wrote in his letter from birmingham jail was that how do i know how do we know that these segregation laws are unjust and he said because there is a higher law you see there is an objective law and that's what martin luther king appealed to all the time was the objective truth of god and that the laws of america encompassed in the constitution and the Bill of Rights were an attempt to reflect God's law. So his basic point and why it changed the entire nation was because he, he started with the right premise. And the right premise was this. You say you want to live up to God's just law. And Americans at that time say, yes, yes, we do. He goes, let me show you where you're not doing it. <laughs> now, how can he draw that contrast? How could he prove? it because he appealed to this higher just law. Whenever social political theory is unhinged from objective truth, you end up with tyranny and oppression every single time. And that's why this Christology is so critically important to understand. This principle is in verse 16 that Jesus Christ is above all thrones, all powers, all rulers, and, and, and all authorities. Now, this is not to swing the pendulum the other way and say Jesus wants a theocracy, you know, because right. he, he never advocates that. But what he does do is say all things should be submitted to this objective authority or objective truth, which is Jesus Christ, the king.
0: So does verse 17 refer to this as well, or is Paul expanding what he's saying?
1: Well, I think he's expanding it a little bit. And as a matter of fact, this phrase in verse 17 is really interesting because he says he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And this is actually one of the principles that helped launch the scientific revolution. Hmm. Uh, in Western civilization, if, if you go back and you read about Francois Bacon, who was the father of, And he's not
0: related to the creation of bacon. No, he? he had nothing okay. to do with
1: salted pork.
0: But maybe the scientific method.
1: Yes, he did. He came up with the scientific method, the five steps. You know, where you make a, you observe, you make a hypothesis, then you test your hypothesis, and it was an attempt to be uh, objective and try to remove any influence over Biotes the experiment and, and so forth uh but uh he was actually um a philosopher and a mathematician a lot of the earlier scientists were they were all religious figures they were all people who were educated in the church and a
0: religious scientist, yeah they were the all yeah
1: that's where they all came from and so the the basic notion was is that let's find out the best way to study the natural world around us because if he was before all things and he holds all things together, if we understand the intricate relationships of how the material world works, they interact with one another, then we're going to understand Jesus we'll be able to see the mark of God or the hand of God, and that's what launched the scientific revolution it was an attempt through uh science to understand god and that's how it all started
0: so there seems to be a tremendous amount of foundational truth in the christology verse 18 talks about the church Uh, how is the church called to represent jesus
1: well verse 18 is about jesus having supremacy over the christ because he's the firstborn of all creation and therefore he is first and foremost in the church And I think this principle is really important in that it tells us, this Christology tells us that the church belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to human beings. And when you look back over 2000 years of history, you find one truth glaring back at you over and over again. And that is when the church loses its focus on Jesus Nutty things happen, all kinds of nutty things. And that's that's what you see is this constant renewal pulling back to Jesus Christ front and center of the church. And I'm what I mean by that is the authentic church, the global church that has lasted for thousands of years. And then in verse 19 and 20, he goes on to talk about how all the power of Jesus is that he was first God and he only had one purpose in becoming human. And that was to reconcile everything back unto himself. And here is what's so interesting about this principle is number one, what is the purpose of the church? You see the purpose of the church is to not create a government. The purpose of the church is not to impose a moral code on everybody else. The purpose of the church is to create a community that is focused on the reconciliation and redemption of Jesus Christ as King of Mm -hmm. kings and Lord of lords. So the first thing that does is this, is anybody who's in it, should be filled with gratitude that they just got invited to the party. <laughs> you know what I am saying? They're part of the club. <laughs> I am part of the club. Yeah. It's like, hey, I am here, and I want everybody to know. You know why I am here? Not because I am cool. Not because I did anything right. Not because I earned my way in or dotted my eyes and crossed my t's or I never made a big mistake. The only reason why I am here is because Jesus is King and He saved me. You know, He mm-hmm. redeemed me. So if you are not in yet, then I was just like you before I was in and so there's plenty of room for you right you know the second thing I think is is that what this means is this is that whether we want to admit it or not we as human beings created in the image of God we were created to be co-creators with God and so in in the creation event God sees Adam alone he creates a woman He says, God created them, male and female, in his image he created them. So the male and the female represent a portion of the image of God. What happens when a male and a female become one, right? Mm. And when they copulate and she receives his seed, she ovulates an egg, that thing is then... Fertilized, it embeds in the uterine wall and then a human life begins. And then what happens is in that process of its inception, it develops a living soul. That soul did not pre-exist before that life began. Now let that sink into your noggin for a moment. Mm. So, Where do living souls come from? God created the context, so God is sovereign in all things, but now we've been invited to create life alongside God when we have children. Mm -hmm. And that child develops a living soul that can only be satisfied by what? Knowing God. God. Is it? I mean, think about that That's... concept I'm talking about right now. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> God God man, he's serious business. Let me tell you. And so, because we can co-create souls, guess what we brought into the world in the Garden of Eden? You see, God didn't create evil, you see, but evil came into his creation because of who? Human beings. We brought it in. And so that created a division. And I don't think people think about this very much, but it created a division in heaven Hmm. as well as a division on earth. Because look at what he says there. He says, it was in him, it was really through him to reconcile to himself all things. Verse 20, whether things on earth or things where in In heaven. heaven, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus, when we see Jesus and the power to reconcile and redeem somebody here on earth and the way he brings peace and reconciles things here on earth is just a foreshadowing of the reconciliation in the cosmos and outside of space and time that he has brought. I mean we we have no idea. we can't even imagine the power and the immensity and the glory of the power of his reconciliation. Hmm. And that to me is one of the most exciting things about going. To heaven after I die. When I leave this earth this go there, is I will finally, for the first time in my existence, be able to experience the immensity of the power of the cross of Jesus Christ and how it reconciled all things, visible things and invisible things. And so to me that's really, really exciting.
0: So the the other thing is that he's creating a peace, right? Like he's mm-hmm. He's he's reconciled and created peace on between us and heaven and in heaven and we I mean that's just kind of what Christmas is about right like <laughs> Christmas is about Christmas is just yeah. peace like you get peace. excited because yeah. everyone's yeah. people are a little happier a little nicer to each other you know yeah. there's just so much joy and peace like I mean even in World War One yeah two forces that were opposing each other killing each other on a yeah. daily basis on Christmas Eve. stopped, had a ceasefire, and sang Silent Night together. And that's like the power of Uh, Christmas and this time. So it's just like for a short period of time, they could just put aside their differences. And I mean, right now our country and our world is super divided. And this is what better time than Christmas time to really just kind of put all of your differences aside, whatever it may be that may be dividing you from friends, family, neighbors, whatever, and just go, hey... Let's worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and celebrate his birth and coming to earth.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why having Christ as King is so powerful in your life because one of the things that creates uh, separation, division, and isolation in your life is when you think that you're so right and everybody else is so wrong that you start to diminish their humanity in the, your own eyes. right You know, I don't want to be friends with those people. I don't want to talk with those people. I those people are terrible, you know. And it could be anything. You know, over politics, it could be over fiscal policy, it could be over the COVID response, whether you wear masks or not wear masks. You know, you, you could go on people have such strong and powerful opinions and what happens is they they feel that their opinion is so right and so perfect that anybody who doesn't adhere to it would only do so out of malice and hatred and anger, you know, or, or stupidity, you know, stupidity or, or racism or, yeah. or something like that. It's just that's just craziness. And that is you have to submit your own opinions. You have to submit your own ideas to the authority of Jesus Christ, you know. And that basically means is that you need to swallow a humble pill and say, just because people don't agree with me doesn't give me a right to hate them. Mm. Just because people don't see it the way I do doesn't give me a right to diminish them or be angry with them or bitter towards them. Because in the end, what that does is that just hurts me. It just turns me into a angry, bitter person. And you know what it does is it gives men heart problems and it gives you belly fat it's like and a poison to your body. It is. And for women it gives you wrinkles, you know. I mean that right there, the best Botox you'll ever take is forgiveness. Mm. <laughs> just let go of these things because And it's way cheaper. It's way <laughs> cheaper. It's not easy, but it is cheaper. You know, I, I think the biggest thing is 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 that for all of us is that having Jesus as King and having us submit our social values, our political values, and everything to Jesus as King. What that does is that gives the world the greatest opportunity to experience peace and to really enjoy the joy that comes from celebrating his birth. Well, I think
0: that is a good point to wrap up for today. Um, we appreciate you guys joining us here on our Tuesday Bible study. Thursday, we'll, we'll get into some cultural um, effects that these verses might have and how they're um, either seen or not seen in our culture these days. Um, I really just encourage you, we are so close to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. And I know we've been yes. pounding this into the ground. And if we can get over that thousand mark, like everything opens up and it just gets way better. And we won't mention it ever again. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Don't make that
1: promise. Okay. Cause I will, will me- I will mention it over well, and over we'll, again. We'll,
0: we'll mention it way less if we can get to that thousand. So if you've got a friend who's got an email, a grandma, just like subscribe for them, get them on here. They can listen to the salty pastor. Yeah. And it's helping us build that platform so that we can get this out to more people and make a bigger impact because there's, I mean, YouTube and Google and Facebook and all these things are just full of so much garbage these days. Yes, they are. Wouldn't it be better if that was we were filling up their feeds with stuff like this? So, mm-hmm. And the only way we can do that is if you guys help us and we need your help. So please do that. Help us get over that 1,000 subscriber mark and we'll have to do something really exciting. We'll have something
1: exciting. Yeah, maybe we'll shave Jesse's head. Or well, I, uh, I'm feeling <laughs> like I'm getting volunteered
0: <laughs> for some stuff. So. But please do that. Otherwise, join us on Thursday. I'm excited to hear what Pastor Doug's bringing in on Thursday to pair with these verses we studied today. Otherwise, Merry Christmas, and we will see you yes. on the next episode of <laughs> The Salty Pastor. Blessings
1: and Merry Christmas. Yay!